2: Muslim teenagers face many challenges. A myth is peddled that following Islam makes life difficult and they'll be happier if they were less religious. Let's face it, sometimes being a practicing Muslim can seem like mission impossible. Sin is exciting and Islam is so boring. But rather than reject religion, I want to offer a new point of view. In my book, Smart Teenage Muslimer, I invite girls to look at the ideas and behaviors that wider society expects them to embrace and decide whether they are good for their mental health and well-being. Concepts such as self-obsession, rampant consumerism, and feminism. Also, what tools exist in the Quran and Sunnah to help you dream big and be a confident Muslimah? In this thought-provoking guide, you will discover guidance from our sacred texts to achieve peace of mind, understand the purpose of your life, learn what Islam has to say about puberty and sex, and get the facts about LGBTQIA+, and gender identity. So, if you're a smart teenage Muslimah whose goal is to succeed in this life and attain Jannah in the next, this book is for you. Inshallah, to find out more, visit www.smartmuslimah.com. The book is now available to buy on Amazon and Google Playbooks. I have the pleasure of speaking to sister Um Khalid from the US. Um Khalid was born in Egypt and moved to US at a young age. She completed memorization of the Quran early in life, and then she studied anthropology at Harvard University. She has served as a campus chaplain at a women's college in New England. Um, And mashallah, Um Khalid is the mother of four children whom she homeschools using a curriculum she personally developed, focusing on Islamic therapy. And inculcating strong convictions to her young children. Assalamualaikum, sister.
1: Wa alaykum as-salam wa rahmatullah. Uh, thank you so much for having me. It's a it's a pleasure to be oh, wonderful. here. Wonderful
2: you. Excellent. So, uh, inshallah, I now I came across uh, an article you wrote, and the title of the article was "Outgrowing Feminist Takes on the Hijab." Um, So what I was hoping to do in this episode of the podcast was, uh, and it's something that I think my listeners would really find interesting, is to explore the different points of the article um, in a bit more depth. Um, So to begin with, in in the article you described yourself as a feminist when you studied at Harvard. So um, I think many women who have gone to university may have also experienced what you experienced. So Could you explain why were you a feminist when you were at university?
1: (coughs) Yes, absolutely. Um, That's a really good question. And the main reason I would list as, you know, why I identified myself as a feminist back then is really this um, atmosphere and this climate of liberalism. When you go into a liberal arts college, there is a lot of, like, the, there's a specific culture and a specific atmosphere. So I'll define exactly what I mean. A liberal arts college is a uh, typically a college or a university where you study academic subjects like literature, uh, philosophy, um, social sciences, physical sciences, things of that nature. And the contrast is between um, these types of liberal arts colleges and then more technical and more professional school, schools with professional or technical training. So when you go to a liberal arts college anywhere really in the west in western countries the culture is infused with liberalism and liberalism just to give a quick uh brief definition is basically this um it's it's a philosophy the liberal philosophy is basically this focus on the idea of liberty freedom liberty autonomy Personal agency and personal freedom—that is all. Just the core. This is at the heart of everything, Um, and uh, it's—it's just a philosophy that goes way back to people like John Locke, um, Montesquieu. Um, It's in the wake of the French Revolution in Europe. This is. Uh, you know, this um, philosophy or this belief uh, began to spread and it's everywhere now. And it's, you know, uh, based mostly in Western countries, non-Muslim Western countries, whether it's in North America or Europe, but it really has been brought all over the world with the internet and social media, et cetera. So liberalism is just this focus on um, the, the main human goal and what human beings all should strive for and should aim to achieve is this idea of liberty and freedom. I wanna be free, I am liberated. That's the Mm -hmm. highest goal that I have for myself. So when you go to a liberal arts college, that's what you're taught. It's very implicit, and sometimes it's explicit. You know, it's stated very, you know, overtly. You want to be free. There's, you know, we're liberal. This is what liberalism is. This is what human happiness. This is where human happiness comes from. So feminism is a part of liberalism. Actually, it's a philosophy that is directly under the larger philosophy of liberalism. Everybody is a feminist. You go there. You go to. You know, I went to Harvard, and I was a freshman there, and it's just this culture. You feel it immediately. It's just. And I, I never took a class academically to really study the tenets of you know or the history of feminism so I didn't know all of that but I immediately started to kind of call myself and identify myself with this movement not knowing really much about it except you know women you know women are good and I I generally agreed with that I'm a woman so I thought okay I'm a feminist then you know
2: and so and this was even though you were wearing khimar and jilbab at the time
1: Yes. Yes. I, um. I really, I, you know, I wore, yes, I wore the khimar and I, I covered and I tried to abide by the rules of hijab, but I thought there was no, I thought that there's no problem. You can be a Muslima, a practicing Muslima, striving, you're covered, but you can also be a feminist because Islam and feminism, surely they're compatible, but I had never really, I had never actually looked into feminism. I had never actually studied any mm-hmm. of the principles or Anything with feminism, but I just thought because it's just it's almost like in the air. It's like in the water, you know. It's, right. It infuses everything else, especially on a college campus in um the Western world. But really, all, really, anywhere in society, it's just there. So you're just like, I guess I'm a feminist now. That's what it is. You
2: know? Yeah, I, I think that m- and many women, including myself, haven't studied what feminism actually is. Uh, but it's very easy to adopt the ideas because they sound so good and sound so, like basically they're so positive about women. So we, right. so you were, so you were in university, and um, and um, so if you could tell, what was the context behind? They were basically a sister, uh, an Egyptian, a fellow Egyptian sister at your university. She wanted to interview you. So, so could you t- t- tell us a bit more about that?
1: Um, Yes. So basically, I was a freshman. I'm I'm Egyptian. My family is Egyptian, you know. So and this uh, other girl at Harvard, also a freshman at my same age and my same year, uh, she we just happened to meet randomly, I think at one of the, you know, and then when she came back, she was like, hey, just randomly out of the blue. She said, I know this is totally out of the blue. But do you want to be interviewed? I'd love to interview you and other Muslim girls at Harvard, other freshman girls, um, about the hijab and why you guys dress the way that you dress. And if you could explain that to me, we could do an interview and I'll write an article about it for the Harvard Crimson. The Harvard Crimson is the uh the campus newspaper at Harvard. Mm-hmm. So I was, you know, I took it at face value and I said, sure, that sounds great. When do you want to do it? <laughs> and so we did it. Yeah.
2: Right. And so then so now it comes to the art so the now you're not happy with, now in twenty nineteen, you're not happy with the answers that you gave to to that uh, in that interview. And so that's what you wrote the article about. And now this is what I found. Um, so it was actually quite funny and um, interesting because the answers that you gave are the answers that in the past I also would have given. And they're the answers that we see all on social media given by Muslim women when they ask that question, why do you wear hijab or... What does the hijab represent to you? So what I'd like love to do is go through the answers that you gave. And if you can tell me why you no longer believe, you know, those, those answers are correct. So I'm going to read out your answers. So you said, um, hijab is not mandatory. It's a choice. See, I'm not oppressed like you think. I chose to don this piece of fabric on my head out of my own free will. So what's wrong With saying that?
1: Nothing. I stand by my statements. (laughs) No, I'm joking. I'm totally (laughs) kidding. Um, That was a joke. I hope that was clear. (laughs) No. (laughs) (laughs) Um, No. So basically, there's a lot wrong with that. That is not a statement that a believing Muslim woman should ever make when she's asked about why she is following any really any of the tenets of islam any of the commands of our lord right of allah mm-hmm. um but specifically when you want to narrow it down just so that's like the general the general rule um but specifically when it comes to hijab, why do you abide by the tenets of hijab? Um, and also, I want to say before I start in on the reasons and you know why my answers, my previous answers when I was in college, why they were wrong, I just want to give a quick, um, uh, just a quick clarification of what hijab means, what I mean by that. I don't mean just simply a piece of fabric that one wears on one's head to cover one's hair as a woman. I, I, in general, when I say hijab, I mean the system of hijab because it is a total system. It's not like a piece of cloth that you wear. Um, it's, Mm -hmm. it's lowering the gaze and that goes for both men and for women. Men have to lower their gaze. Women have to lower their gaze. Um, it's the dress code, what the clothing that one wears. And it's just, it's not a small piece of uh, fabric that you just kind of stick right on your head. It's, it's includes a lot of different things, um, you know so when we can get into exactly what hijab entails for women but it's just this idea of the system and separation between the genders proper um, mm. etiquette not being not having ikhtalot, which is, um, is inter intermixing or intermingling between the genders so all of that is what i refer to um, that is the larger um, concept of hijab it's a whole concept right it's a whole system that works beautifully and seamlessly together to create a certain effect and we can talk about specifics inshallah but I just wanted to give that clarification so we're not just simply talking about a pretty piece of fabric with flowers on it or whatever you know that we we put on our heads it's a lot more than that yeah that's Um, good yeah yeah so so why is saying and that's our our go-to thing is hijab is a choice hijab hijab is my choice I wear it because I chose to right Mm. why is that wrong and you're right we see that everywhere we see that in you know all of our social media we see it in interviews whenever there's like a hijabi girl is being interviewed by anybody the first thing she'll go to and this is what i did the first thing i went to was oh it's a choice and why do we go there i think it for me at least speaking personally i was so hyper aware i was very very hyper conscious of how i was seen by non-muslims and i understood by comments or, like, looks that I would get or, you know, just generally, like, you're aware, right, of how people see you, Mm -hmm. but I understood that I was seen as somebody who's oppressed, somebody who was made to dress that way or to do those things, somebody who this is not her choice. Like if she could do anything, if she could choose to wear or do or be anything, it wouldn't be this. This is not a choice that she made for herself. This is something that either was um, forced on her by her father or her uncle or her husband. Some man, some man in her life made her do this. This is not what she wants. So I I was aware of that. I just, or I had this, conception. I had this like idea in my head oh, this is how non-Muslims see me because I grew up around non-Muslims. I grew up in New Jersey. Not a lot of Muslims in that specific area. New Jersey actually has a lot of Muslims in general but where the specific place where I grew up there was very few So I I just had this understanding that I looked like I I stuck out and it was obvious that there was coercion in my life. Like I was coerced to cover my hair, cover my body. So my first instinct is whenever I'm asked, why do you wear what you're wearing? I I immediately, it's like, I'm on the defensive, right? Mm. I have to justify myself and I have to address this unspoken, implicit, um, it's kind of like this unspoken accusation, like, did your dad make you do this? Is your husband forcing you to do this? So immediately my first, instinct just to say oh no it's a choice nobody's making me do this I chose this for myself I have all this agency and then why do we even use these words when we go back to this idea of liberalism is I was completely poisoned by this idea of liberalism because I went to school in America I grew up here I went I was at a liberal arts college I was at Harvard it's it's in the water you can't get away from it especially if you're not aware of it and I wasn't
2: and so then um would so for example when you would give that answer to people then would that satisfy them would they then think okay yeah that's fine
1: um I think generally I'm trying to remember back I think generally yes hmm. for the most part um maybe because maybe the people I was speaking to or conversing with on this topic maybe were too polite or too um, right. just too kind of nice to to push back too much on it and say well but there, there's so much they could have come back with it then I would have been totally at a loss like I, yeah. there's nothing I could have really replied with right because the easily right the answer they could give me when mm. I give this bs answer oh it's my choice look at this I'm, I'm exercising my free choice here this is why I wear it they would say well if you chose to could you take it off that's the immediate yes, reply exactly. right yeah. <laughs> and I think they were just too <laughs> I think they were too nice to or, or something you know yeah. um, I don't remember anyone ever saying that back to me when I would say that but they could easily say well since it's a choice and all. Great. Mm. Then, if you choose to take it off, you could do that, right? And my answer would have to be a very uncomfortable um, no. I can't. Mm. You know. Yeah. So well then, you, we put ourselves in this bind when we fall into this delusion of oh, it's my choice. Hijab is not mandatory. I'm choosing it. You you fall you fall you put yourself in this trap,
2: right? Yeah. And so now then, this comes to the next point that you would also you'd you'd say hijab is all about freedom. And again, the way people, the way sisters are saying this as well, is that I've got the freedom. It's interesting. They're now saying, I've got the freedom to choose the way I wear hijab. So, and like everyone has the freedom to, it, you know, so you can wear that and I'll wear this, you know, so. Right. I'll-
1: no one has, you right. No one has the right to tell me how to dress. How dare yes. you try to tell a woman how to dress? This is my body, my choice, my, you know, my attire and my personal choices that I'm making here. And I have the freedom to choose whatever I want to choose. Right. Mm. So you're absolutely right. This is exactly what we hear. And um, unfortunately, from non-Muslims and Muslims, Muslim sisters are yes. latching on the same line of how dare you tell a Muslim woman how to dress? How dare you? Right. Yeah. And where there's this righteous indignation. But the reality is and this is again, this is if I could tell my younger self, you know, how to answer these questions. I would go back. I would take that back. And I would say instead, this is not about freedom. Why the answer of freedom is wrong is that there is there is. There's not this concept of freedom. We don't care about that. What is happening here is this is straight obedience, right? Mm. We are not free, and it's similar to choice. We're not free to just make a choice. Hijab is not my choice. It is mandatory. It is not about freedom to choose what I want or how to cover my body or reveal my body. It is a, a command from my Lord. My Lord created me. He is my master. I am his slave. It's very straightforward. It's very simple. Right. So when I'm commanded to do something, once I've submitted to the basic um, premise that I was created by my Lord, Allah, and he has the right. He owns me and he will speak to me however he sees fit and he will tell me to do whatever things he thinks, you know, whatever things in his wisdom he will command me to do. And I, as a slave, since I've submitted already myself and I call myself a Muslim and I believe in Allah, I will submit to anything that he commands because I know that it's for my own good. It's mm. not for Allah. It's for me. So we can go through. I don't know if you, um, if we have the time, but I can uh, very quickly, very briefly, go into um, the the command for hijab or where just where it is. Yes,
2: I think that would be really useful. I think would yeah. Let's do that.
1: Yeah. So basically, um, there are a few different uh, parts in the Quran where Allah Subhanahu wa Taala he talks about the idea of covering and khimar and dress code for women. And you know. Um, and so the probably the most famous one is in Surah Al-Ahzab, Ayah 59. Allah Subhanahu wa Taala says, ya And the ayah goes on. Um, but basically, this is the Prophet, the, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling the Prophet, alayhi salatu Oh, O Prophet, um, tell your wives and your daughters and the women of the believers, and all the believing women, to um, cover their, uh, or to, to, to take their jalbab, their, bi their basically their outer garment, and uh, wrap it over themselves so that this is better for them, so that they are known, recognized as believing women, and so that they are not harassed or molested. So that's kind of the big um, ayah that I think we most often hear as one of the justifications for why hijab is wajib. Another ayah that also comes up is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Surah al-Nur, ayah 31. This is a much longer ayah, but basically, and this is where Allah talks about the system of hijab. It's a whole system. It's about lowering the gaze. It's about not uh, interacting or intermingling with the opposite gender. And then in that ayah also Allah says, وَلِيَضْرِبْنَا ala عَلَىٰ um And let them um, take their, their khimar and cover their front or cover their chests with it or their, the front of their body with it. Referring to Muslim women. And one thing that we find is there's a hadith um, in, that is narrated by Bukhari عنه, in the Sahih Bukhari. Uh, he says, Aisha uh, used to say, when this specific verse was revealed, when this verse came down, the women of the um, Sahaba radhiAllahu Ajma'in, Allah be pleased with all of them. Those women actually tore up specific kinds of um, it's like a, it's almost like a big sheet. So it was like a big thing of fabric. They tore it up and fashioned it so that it was something that they could cover their whole body. With. Um, they did that immediately as soon as the command came down. So it's about obedience and it's about submitting to the command of your master of your creator and doing exactly what you're told because you were told it literally because it was said to you by Allah
2: for a Muslim woman who she wants to obey Allah she you know like you know let's think of particularly maybe younger sisters younger women they think you know I want to wear hijab I know I've heard that it's um obligatory now what Mm -hmm. can happen is they then will okay they go online to find out okay is it obligatory? Do I need to, I, I want, they may even be going sincere. that I want to find the evidences for hijab. So they'll go online or there may be people, Muslim personalities that they know of. So they may even go to their, look on their social media, say, oh, let me get the answer from them. Now right. they're, they're completely, you know, sincere and wanting to find out. But um, it's, I think when the fact that you mentioned, Alhamdulillah, you mentioned scholars um, that there we need to go to people of knowledge to find out those answers and who understand the hadith who understand the quran i think what we what as muslim women we mustn't go to someone who maybe just sells hijab as their job or is a whether it's a youtube personality or any kind of muslim celebrity that's not who you go to for your islamic knowledge and guidance it's people have knowledge that's who you go to who have studied
1: Yes, absolutely. You can't just take your knowledge, your ilm from just anybody because ilm is so precious. It is it's mm. it's you're going to base your entire life, your entire life will revolve on this, on whatever mm. you learn of of secret knowledge, right? So you have to be very careful and very selective with your sources and mm. make absolutely sure that you're getting your ilm your religious and Deen obligatory knowledge from places where it's appropriate. You can't just mm. follow a YouTube blogger. You can't, you know. There's a lot of just there's a lot of people out there. Social media yeah. is huge, and it's, yeah, it's, it's a it's, wide world.
2: It's right? like any any Muslim feels that they can give an opinion, give it, give a view. Let's not even say they give an opinion. They just give a view. I think this. I think that. But it, right. that does in Islam. We don't have this idea of I think you know i yeah. can interpret an english translation of an R <laughs> or hadith <laughs> yes
1: I'll, I'll do my own tafsir right here yeah. on the spot and i'm I gonna think, do my own ht head yes. that's
2: it i think that's something that if that's one message i would love listeners to to get from this is that we all me you everyone you know we need to um be sincere in our intention because this is another thing that can sometimes come at that oh my intention is good but then okay, how are you going to enact the intent, the action? You have to, you know, find the evidences and go to someone with knowledge to know exactly what is the sunnah, how do I? So the basic question, how do I wear hijab? What is hijab? You know, go to, as you've said, you know, you've given evidences, then find out, okay, what does it mean practically? How do I live by that?
1: Mm -hmm. the whole and and what is what is hijab you know holistically not just oh should i wear the green one or the red one it's just Mm -hmm. what what is it is it more than just that piece of fabric on my head and the answer is absolutely yes it is it's a lot more than that it's very comprehensive and we have to know all of the different factors all of the different pieces of what hijab really means right
2: so sometimes
1: because you'll see certain certain sisters um and brothers you know unfortunately it's on it goes both ways but you know covered in a certain way maybe wearing uh the the khimar on her head but not not living out the rest of the different pieces Mm. right so like intermingling with opposite gender laughing flirting joking with people of the opposite gender and you know we we sometimes we see this but uh, that is not full hijab this is hijab is not one thing so i think um, yeah, absolutely. You're right. We have to be very sincere and have a our, our right niya. Our intention should be good. And mm-hmm. then follow that up with the actual procedural like yeah. steps. How do I, okay, my niya is good. I want to please my master. I want to cover my body in the way that he's commanded. And I want to follow hijab in all of its different parts. Mm-hmm. But who do, should I go to a hijabi like tutorial blog yep. or like a hijab, hijabi makeup artist really like a hijabi makeup guru on YouTube and figure out what hijab means from her because she can give me an answer there's a lot of ready answers that she is giving out but you're absolutely right we have to go to people of knowledge and mm-hmm. um, yeah, and hijab is not just you wear hijab and then everything else is tight, like you've got something covering your hair, but your legs are showing because your jeans are very descriptive. They describe mm-hmm. your body or your shirt is, shows your figure. So one thing also that this reminds me of is um, the scholars will elaborate on the different conditions of hijab. And part of it is they'll say, لا يشف ولا يصف. It can't be shafaf, um, it can't be transparent, like your clothing, because you can cover your body, but your shirt or whatever, your dress is see-through, so you can see your skin underneath. So it can't be transparent, and it also can't be descriptive. is It does not describe, so it can't be so clingy or so tight that it basically describes the shape of your limbs. This is the shape of your arm. This is the shape of your leg. This is, et cetera. So there's certain requirements and it is absolutely necessary to go out and seek them and figure out what they are. And they're not that complicated. I don't want to make it seem like hijab is this impossible maze that you have to figure out and sift through. It's very simple. It's very straightforward. You just cover your body in, you know, either with the face included in the hands or just face and hands showing. And, um, you know, don't, don't describe it in any way. Don't let it show, you know, with mm-hmm. these like tight clothing or transparent clothing, et cetera.
2: Yeah. So now one of the other things that people say and uh, what well, sisters will say is that hijab makes me feel empowered. Now to yes. an extent I can, I can understand that if like, when I think of it, I think, well, Uh, so I I used to work in high school and um, so for me going to work and basically I was taking my looks were taken out of the equation so Mm -hmm. people could value you know all they got to see was my face and hands and I'm teaching them and so the rest of it didn't matter so now but that word empowerment nowadays it means more doesn't it Um, especially to when feminists use it so What's your take on using the word empowerment when you speak of hijab? What do you think of that?
1: Right. Well, empowerment, you're absolutely right. It's taken on a life of its own, right? Um, empowerment um, by itself is not necessarily like a dirty word or none of none of these words really are specifically like divorced from all of their connotations, right? And, and all of the assumptions that are built into them. But it's very similar. If you say, oh, hijab is empowering. I wear it because I'm an empowered, strong, independent woman and I'm proud of my religion, I'm proud of this, I'm proud of that, and I'm empowered, and, you know, that's why I wear hijab, it's very similar to saying, um, I wear it because I'm choosing to, this is my choice, I'm exercising my personal agency, or this is freeing me, I'm, I'm free when I wear the hijab, and this is why, right, so it's very similar, it's all kind of along the same lines, and they're all, um, they're all ideas that stem from the underlying concept of liberalism, Liberty is what we should all be pursuing. Anything that we do should be with the aim of attaining personal um, liberty and personal freedom. And everything that maximizes freedom for me and liberty for me is good. I do it. Anything that minimizes liberty or freedom for me is bad, and I don't do it, right? That's what liberalism is. And so if you say, oh, hijab empowers me, that's why I do it. That's that's very similar. It's another compound well, that you're saying. Because if someone says, oh, hey, well, if I can prove to you that it's not empowering, if I can tell you, oh, like, this is, you're caving into the patriarchy, you're just, you're giving all your power away, and you should own your sexuality, own your body, and you can have power over men by displaying, like, what you've got, basically, right? Mm. that's that's empowering so hijab is de-empowering you if i can so if a non-muslim wants to argue with me she could she could say that to me right
2: yeah what would true. i say
1: back i would be stumped again it's another trap so we have to be aware of all of these traps and get away from them don't don't set yourself up basically what you're doing it's like volleyball right you're playing there's someone has to set you up and then you like t- you do the final hit right so we can't set ourselves up for these things for someone to just come and knock it over knock knock us right over and say well if it's so empowering like and basically they can prove us wrong and say it's not actually empowering the very opposite is empowerment especially in feminist terms in the feminist you know take on things so then what would we have to say oh you're right it's not really empowering i guess i should take it off then right you're setting yeah. yourself up for this trap
2: mm mm-hmm. right yeah that makes that makes sense um so then if to so if someone were to, well, I'm sure people have that. If someone were to ask you now, okay, why do you wear hijab? What would be your short, sweet answer that you'd give to them?
1: Yeah, my answer, absolutely. I've stopped rambling. My answer now I was very <laughs> short and very, <laughs> very sweet. There's no mention of choice or empowerment or freedom in it at all. I say I wear this because I'm a Muslim and I've been commanded by God to wear this. So I wear it <laughs> because Muslim means one who submits to God. And having submitted to God, I've already submitted, right, every aspect of my life. So dress is only one tiny aspect. I've submitted much more than this. This is nothing. So I do as I'm commanded, you know, and this is what I've been commanded. So I do. It's very easy. I obey God. Because the thing that, and if someone pushes back on this, because I totally am aware of the fact that this is weird, right? This is very weird. No one says things like obedience anymore. Like, mm. obey God. Are you high? Like, what? Mm. You know, like, we just, we don't talk this way anymore. And I'm totally aware of that, obviously. But I think if, since every human being is born on the fitrah, right? This The fitrah is this instinctive, um, uh, like, deeper, like, like intuition that we all have. Human beings were all born having this sense of, just certain things, right? They were inbuilt, they were built into us. And what we we, sometimes we can lose bits of our fitrah and our fitrah can be warped and totally changed based on what we see, what we do, the kinds of things that we input, right? Sensory input, like our eyes, what we look at, our ears, what we hear, what we listen to, um, w- the situations that we expose ourselves to, that can warp our fitra, right, and change it. But generally, human beings will have at least a small piece of their fitrah still intact. So if you're talking to a non-Muslim and they don't believe in Allah, they don't believe in Islam, and you explain it like, look, We all have to obey something. We all have to worship something or someone. We can't get away from it. No human being can ever be truly free. It's simply not possible. Mm -hmm. It's impossible to say, oh, I'm free. I'm totally, I have this unfettered freedom, right? It's not true. You're kidding yourself. This is a form of delusion, self-delusion, right? So since you have to worship something or someone, you have to obey something or someone, I would rather I obey God. I want to worship God. I don't want to worship the other stuff that you can worship. What other stuff you can ask, right? What, what, what else can you worship? You can worship money. You can worship fame and status. You can worship how many likes you get on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter, right? You can worship your own looks, like your vanity, right? You can be in love with that. And that's what, that's what um, motivates you to act in certain ways or say certain things or dress in a certain way because of vanity, right? Straight vanity, ego. So you can worship so many different things. And I, since I understand that, this is just a fact of life. We have to worship something Mm. as human beings. I want to be actually free. Now, this is real freedom, not your fake, you know, plastic freedom of, oh, I'm freeing. This hijab is freeing. And that's why I wear it. No, since I actually seek real, true, genuine freedom, I want to be free from um, that the various things that people, you know, can can possibly worship. I want to worship the actual thing that is uh, worthy of worship. The only deity that actually exists that is worthy of uh, worship for human beings, and human beings sh- should worship God. And I think that will touch on the fitra that is inside of the human being that you are talking to, right? they recognized it and i'm not saying they will love it or they're instantly falling to sejda and say oh my gosh you're so right but just i think it'll touch a chord within them it'll resonate because it's true
2: you know? mm, yeah that that i can see that um so um, um I'm glad for taking the time to share your experience and knowledge with us inshallah if um listeners would like to read your your work or find find you online how, where can they find you
1: um, I, I'm not uh, super active online, I just I have a Facebook uh, page that I started uh, somewhat recently, I guess. So it's just Om um Khalid, um, just if you search on Facebook, um, that's...
2: Are you looking for a God-conscious husband? Or do you have a friend that is looking for a compatible spouse? Getting married is one of the most important decisions of your life. So before you embark on your marriage journey, You need answers so you have clarity and confidence to find a compatible husband. Smart Single Muslimer is a thought-provoking Muslim marriage guide for Muslim women. In the book, you'll discover how to find a husband, how to find out if you are compatible, what questions to ask a potential spouse, and how to deal with disappointment. Adopting a smart Islamic approach to relationships about following some simple prophetic principles that will change your habits and attitudes about getting married. If you want honest pre-marriage advice that addresses contemporary issues you're facing, then you will find this book extremely useful. Available to buy on Amazon in Kindle or paperback format. Hold up!